All right, guys, this is Kat Stancic. This is the Revenue Accelerator podcast, and I have our guest today, Tom Brush. Now, he's going to do an introduction because we all know that people introduce themselves better than I do. So, Tom, tell us more about what you do and why you love it. Certainly, Kat. Thanks so much, first of all, for having me on. Uh, yeah. Great to be on such a big podcast. I feel important <laughs> today. Um, but yes, my goal really has been how can I help Nonprofit organizations has really been the focus of my work. Mm. Um, and I, what I found, though, is that relates a lot to small business, some of the things. Mm, but Because I, I feel like they have the same challenges. They're really overwhelmed with responsibilities and expectations. Mm. Um, they either are trying to figure out how to manage their staff, or in my work, a lot of times as volunteers or their board of directors, and sometimes that relates to a small business as well. And then ultimately, how do they raise more money? You know, those become the challenges. If we really want to achieve our mission, whether that's as a business or as a nonprofit, it's how do we raise more money so that mm. we can do the things that we want to do. So yeah. I love helping organizations and nonprofit organizations figure out how to do that more effectively. Nice. Well, you know, there's always that. Um, <laughs> I had a father who ran a nonprofit that was nonprofitable. So yeah, he could have probably used some of your help back in the day. But I actually, little does probably my audience know that I have a nonprofit background. Um, I did, uh, yeah, like I did a nonprofit, basically was like the business operations manager and did all the back end stuff and all that. So I had put on a big event uh, with the Small Business Association and all this other stuff. So a lot of times I know people think like, you know, in, non in the nonprofit world and in the business world, it's kind of like you have to have these big, huge things, this event. So in the, in the nonprofit world, it's going to be like a, a, an annual event or some kind. And in the entrepreneurial world, it's going to be the equivalent of a launch, right? right? Of these big things, these big splashes. But is that really, in your opinion and in your experience, how people make money? So I think it can be. You know, if you, one of the things I like to talk to people about, especially if it's a, something big, what's the goal? Mm. What is the purpose for why are you doing that? And I think in nonprofits, sometimes all they think about is the dollar amount at the end. Yeah. How much did we raise? And they don't think about, well, how much time and effort and energy is it going to go to raise whatever it is? And for many organizations, the time, effort, and energy, if they added it all up and divided it by how much they raised, it probably isn't worth the effort. Yeah. Now, if they take the time to say, well, part of our goal is goals are financial and some are non-financial, then they can look back at the end and really try to have a better understanding of what that is. So a lot of times if they took that time and leveraged it differently, mm. it might be more effective. You know, and I think in business, we do that all the time. You know, how much time do we spend on social media um, trying or email messaging and trying to find our people where if we just picked up the phone and called somebody. Shh, shh, shh. Don't oh. tell people to do that. Why would Sorry. we call people and reach out to them and have a conversation? I can just be behind my computer and sell people all day long, right? Like, I don't sure. have to talk to or anyone. I can send another email that has a very targeted message. They're in my funnel. <laughs> yes. Yeah, you're hitting on something really important, which is that relationship piece, which whether you're nonprofit, whether you're for-profit, whether you're whatever, um, really it comes down to relationships. Absolutely. And, and if you don't understand the relationship or the mm. perspective of that relationship, you're going to send them the wrong message and they're not going to be engaged. And again, I think that's the same whether you're trying to attract a donor or you're trying to attract a client or a customer. You know, if I'm telling them what I think they want to know, 
probably it's not going to work. I need to really understand where are they at and what is it that their pain point is or what is it that they need and then come to them in that approach so they better understand. And I think we all know, but we forget that people do business with people they know, like, and trust. Mm. And if you don't have that relationship, how do you build that? No like and trust. Absolutely. Well, and you're you're hitting on something else, which is really this communication component, right? So we've got the the connection and 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 having and building that relationship. But how do you talk to someone, right? And part of it is is <laughs> I just had this imagery of, and I, I kind of used it the other day, which is when you meet someone in person, do you go and walk around them and then start looking at their butts because that's where they keep their wallet, right? And be like, hey. Right. Do you want to give me that credit card or I keep right? mine in my front pocket? So I, well, uh, might not well, be good. Okay, that's a whole other, <laughs> right. now you're reminding me of someone else that we know in common. Um, so inside jokes, guys, reach out if you want to know what that's about. So, <laughs> but basically it's, you're not, when you meet someone in person, you're not going and trying patting them down and trying to find their wallet. Right. And trying to get that credit card number. And that's what a lot of online relationships feel like when someone kind of connects with you. But one of the things that I think is really beneficial, especially when it comes to the nonprofit and kind of using a different analogy for people who are entrepreneurs listening to this is when you talk to a donor, are you talking to them about, hey, with your money, we're going to be able to, you know, hire more employees and we're going to be able to pay out pensions. No, you're not talking about the features. Those are the features. You're talking about the benefit of how many people you can support, how many people you can help. Um, So what's some tips and advice you have with people to have those better conversations that are more focused on the benefits versus the features. Yeah, I think it's it's a lot about asking questions. Mm. You know, because I, why am I going to assume that I know what their interest is, whether as a donor or as in somebody purchasing something? And I think until you really ask questions, you're not going to get to the heart of what it is. There's might be a an, um, a lower level or an entry level pain they have, mm-hmm. but when you dig down in further, you have a better understanding and in the fundraising world, if you can get down to what is that true impact that they want to see and not try to assume, well, they're interested in our organization because we cure cancer. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's nice, but it might be all about their mom had cancer Mm. or their grandmother had cancer. And as a little kid, they watched this happen. And really what they're looking for is some way to support the families who are dealing with people who are dealing with cancer. And so I think until you ask the right questions, you're never going to really know what is their true motivation and why do they need your help, want to support your organization so much. Oh my God, you guys just got a crash course in a sales call, right? <laughs> like, and, and I mean, it's true because you look at donors and you think of the process and this happens in corporate too, where, you know, if you're trying to get a raise, if you're trying to get your clients buy-in for something and you put together like a PowerPoint or whatever it is, or you're a nonprofit trying to get a donor, or you're trying to close a client at the end of the day, you need to understand someone's motivation. Why is it important for them to achieve this result? And whatever that result is that they're trying to do for the donor, it's to achieve a certain level of contribution to society and legacy, right? And other things for entrepreneurs. But the 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 key to it all is asking questions. And it's one of my number one tips that I tell with clients when it comes to sales calls, which is shut up. <laughs> there's a great there's a great tool that they teach very early on, but so many people forget in fundraising is that we were given two eyes and two ears and one mouth. Mm. So we should probably watch and listen three or four times more than we speak. Yes. Yeah. Or, you know, if you're on a sales call, you can't, can't see me now, but I'm just putting my hands in front of my mouth. Like ask a question and shut up. Like listen, because people will tell you 
what they want to hear. They just, one, they want to be heard, right? No one listens to someone anymore. They just, they're waiting for their chance to say what they want to say. And so you're talking and they're like, I'm waiting for that space to interject. Hold on. It's coming. It's coming. I don't know what you just said, but here's what I have to say because I'm important. Um, and the people make the sales process about themselves. Absolutely. It's so, you know, and, and it's so easy to find. If you ever go to a networking event, I sort of feel like there are three types of networkers. Yeah. There's the ones that all they want to do is get their business card in your hand because mm -hmm. they feel like, okay, now they've got my information. They're set. The next is like, maybe they ask you what you do, but all they're waiting is they're waiting for their opportunity to just throw up all over you about <laughs> all the benefits and services. <laughs> Yay. And then you have the group of people who are actually interested in like finding relationships mm. and finding people who maybe there's something mutually beneficial or someone who really cares and is interested about who I am and what I do and not just what I'm selling. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, you find those relationships and now you're going to, they're going to probably introduce you to people like them, yep. which is going to be much more effective than someone says, uh, yeah, I got this business card here. It's uh, Joe's cleaning. I don't know Joe or what he does. I'm sure I'm going to give this to my best connections and say, here, call Joe. He just stuck this in my hand. I'm sure he'll be great. Yeah. <laughs> well, and, and it's an opportunity to make that impression, to make that impact, to create those synergies of when I connect with someone, it's not necessarily about closing them directly. It's about what level of support can I provide that person, whether or not they buy from me. Um, so you've heard no a lot in your life and we're not talking about your personal dating life. Um, <laughs> I had to, I had to. really bad memories. <laughs> so let's talk about that time you get rejected. Uh, <laughs> how do you, as you know, someone who's been doing it, right, who's been successful, who's heard no, kind of overcome or get past it? Yeah, I think you just have to understand and take yourself out of it. You know, mm. it's not really about me. I mean, mm. maybe it is. Maybe they don't want to buy from me. And that's okay. I said, don't make it personal. It's about business. Yeah. Right. Um, <laughs> but that, so then we need to move on to whatever's next. And I guess the question is, is it no for now mm -hmm. or no forever? You know, I think so many times we hear no, and maybe they say that, but they don't really necessarily mean no forever. It just isn't the right time. You know, and I think there's a lot of interesting statistics about how people buy. Yeah. And I'm one of those people who I can look at the same dress shirt 15 times before I'm like, yeah, it's the same price it was and it looks exactly the same way. And I need it as much as I needed it two weeks ago. But for whatever reason, now is the right time to yeah. buy. And if they shut their doors, I'll never right. know that. So we well, I mean, it's to... a lot like men in marriage. I feel like we're going, he's like, where the hell are we going with this? Which is, uh -oh. I think a lot of times what happens, and this could be with women too, but basically when someone decides, okay, I'm ready, right? Then basically they've come to a place where they, they're starting to look for that person and the person that they, they start are able to get to that solution faster. It's a really bad example, but <laughs> I'm going to get a lot of hate mail on this. Um, Can't wait basically, to like, this. Right? Like who knew we were going to go there? But it's more of a, you know, when you decide, when you're saying, okay, I, I'm, I'm in, a, in enough pain or I'm really motivated to seek that, that pleasure, right? The pain or pleasure motivator. Mm -hmm. 
then basically the opportunity starts presenting themselves. But the same opportunities had always been there. It's just you're more attuned to them now. And that's kind of what you do with content with people, right? Which right. is you're putting content out there. And I'm not expecting my content to convert immediately. But it's more of that, like you said, the blue shirt, it's there. And if you're someone who's eventually looking for that blue shirt, you're going to be like, man, you know, Tom's been putting out this blue shirt like every single time. And I've seen it and he's still offering the blue shirt you know what? I'm ready for a blue shirt. I'm tired of right. wearing, you know, pink or red or whatever it is. And I want some blue in my life. Have you ever thought about buying a car? Yeah, no, exactly. That's the other kind of car yep. you want. Yep. I did that with know, my like, son. Yep. Everywhere you look, that car shows up and you're like, yep. what's going on? Something yep. in the universe that's weird. Exactly. Well, you know, and, and people talk about it being, you know, manifesting and, and, mm -hmm. you know, part of what I, you know, I like to walk people through is the fact that people are in three phases in their, in their lives, which is they're, problem aware. So they've gotten to a place where they understand that there's a problem going on. They become uh, solution aware. So they're looking actively for a solution. They're like, all right, cool. I'm in enough you know, pain or I want to make enough progress that I'm looking for something. And then they become product aware. And that product aware phase is where people convert the fastest because they're ready to buy. They're looking at you as a solution and they're, they're, they've got their credit cards on their, on their desk, right? Ready to, to go. Um, so what do you do as it relates to helping your donors? I mean, especially in, the, in that kind of environment, which is one I don't understand, get prepared to donate. <laughs> yeah, I think it's really about making, it's very similar. You know, mm -hmm. how do you keep in front of them with the right messaging? How do you, and again, that's all about understanding what are they interested in? Because you can mm -hmm. put all the messaging out that you want, but if it doesn't touch them. Yeah. And it's a really hard thing because it's so individual but buying is individual. Mm -hmm. And so you have to kind of think about, all right, what are the key areas that we work with? So in the nonprofit world, what are the areas that we have impact? And how do I try to figure out which of those areas is most important to the people that I'm speaking to? Mm -hmm. And then how do I continue to put that message in front of them in different ways and always showing examples and how other people do it and um, you know, how easy it is and how much impact it's gonna make that you hope at some point the right message or the right time is going to hit with them. And timing, I think, is, is huge. And the nonprofit world messes this up all the time. Mm. We, they think that, okay, well, let me look at my calendar and I'm going to plan my appeal schedule. So we're going to send a mailing in April and we're going to send another one or we're going to send it in April right after the tax season's over. Now we're going to send one in the end of the summer because people are thinking about giving and we're going to send one in the beginning of December because it's the holiday end of year. Mm -hmm. Well, if your donor always makes gifts and actually 10% of all philanthropic gifts come in in the last three days of December, hmm. if you're not in front of them in those days, what are the chances they're going to remember the letter or email you sent on December 1st because that worked for you? Right. You know, if we're what not looking you? at what are their <laughs> tendencies? Right we're not being in front of them at the time when they need us to be in front of them. I love that. I love the, the connection to the ideal client, right? Which is essentially what it is. The connection to the donor of what are their needs? What are, what, what are they, how do they show up in the world? Like when is it the right timing for them versus making it again, making it about you and what works for your schedule. 
Um, I wanted to shift gears a little bit because there's something you posted the other day, which I made a snarky comment on that I wasn't meaning to make a snarky comment on, but you did this Rubik's cube analogy and it stuck with me. Like it's really stuck with me. And when I, when I made that comment and I'll have Tom explain kind of the, the summary of it and what my comment was, it really kind of hit home, you know, as something that really bridges across any industry and, and any, um, any niche that you might have. So can you share that with us today? Sure. My post was about, um, I just remember back to the Rubik's Cube. And I remember as a kid, like spending hours trying to figure this out. And maybe I get one side done, but then I, you know, was bad at it. <laughs> my daughter gets one and, and I'm, sh- and I watch her and she's like, do, 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 do. And within 60 seconds, it's done. Oh, Little did I, I learn later that she figured out that there's a process mm. by which you can do it. And, and what I, it just got me thinking about, you know, there are processes for how we solve problems. Mm-hmm. And you commented that, well, I thought you just pulled off the, the little stickers and stuck them on the side so that they all lined up. And initially I was going to respond and be like, huh, yeah. But when I thought about it, yeah, your response you is the result you wanted. Yeah. You know, it may not be sustainable. It may not be repeatable, but, but you got a result. And for us to understand that everybody's going to get to results differently, mm. we can't just say, here's my system throw it on them and it's going to work. You know, what I did for Joe, the sale is going to be the same way that it is for Betty. It's not going to happen. Yeah. Cuz they all it all they all have their own answer. And what are the results they're looking for? You right. just wanted to get them all set up that way. That's fine. My daughter wanted to figure <laughs> out how could I do this every time no matter what shape it was in. And I think that's important for us to realize. So well, and that's that, let me say I was 12 when I did that. So <laughs> But, right. it, it, but the, the, the analogy was fantastic because this is a thing that a lot of entrepreneurs and um, non, I mean, anyone in any industry in any niche go for, which is how can I get the results as fast as possible? And it's actually, it's, it's counterintuitive to what I actually, what I teach now, which is upfront effort to be lazy later. Right. So it's the, yeah, I solved the Rubik's cube one time, but if someone comes out and starts messing with it again, I'm not going to know how to solve that problem because that's what happens in life. You get something figured out and then somebody throws, you know, something into the mix and you're like, Oh God, how do I solve this again? Cause now the situation isn't the same. And it's the teach a man how to fish versus giving a man how to fish. Right. right. I gave myself a fish, but I couldn't sustain and repeat that solution because everything I would have to take off all the stickers. And in the long run, it would actually end up making, causing more effort of having right. to keep taking off all the stickers and putting them back on. And though it is a solution, like you said, right on the nose, it wasn't sustainable. So what's your advice to people who seem to always be, you know, kind of repeating the wheel or having the same results come about and they're not getting the results that they want? Because I think it's very easy. Something somebody told me a long time ago, I saw it on my, one of my early boss's desks was if you, if we always do, if we, if we always do the same thing, we're going to get the same results. It's not mm-hmm. the right phrase, but, um, and I think they don't take the time to step back. And I think when you say slow down is important. It's one thing if we just want to get it done and get it out there. Okay. We're going to learn from it and whatever. Sometimes that's what you need to do. Yeah. Sometimes it, right. You need to take action. Sometimes Action's better than inaction. Absolutely. But I think until you are able to step back and really evaluate, what did I do? What were the results of that? Mm. What might I have done differently? And then think about, okay, based on all of that, do I need more knowledge? Do I maybe just need to study my data more to determine, okay, what are my next steps? Mm. And then when I look at my next steps, I'm big on 
can I look ahead and figure out what's the obstacle in front of those steps? Mm. There's something coming down the road and you're not going to know all of them. But if you can try to anticipate that, you can know how to react. Mm-hmm. Then you figure out, okay, based on that, here are my goals, the action steps I'm going to take and then take action. And I think people, and I was this way, oh my God, when I ran <laughs> events, because again, in, non, in the nonprofit world, it's like event after event after yeah. event, the next yeah. thing and, and travel and solicitation and appeal. And when I got an event done, the last thing I wanted to do was step back and say, mm. well, how did that go? Did yeah. we meet our goals? I just was like, it's over. What's moving next? On. next. Moving on. <laughs> yeah. But my to-do list is already long. How do I just keep moving on to it? And I think when we slow down, mm. we become more effective and efficient. And we really see the pieces that were like, oh, yeah, why did we do that? I, I'm amazed. Not amazed, really. But I talk to my clients about basic things that I know they probably know. And you can see them just shaking their head, being like, yeah, I know. I don't know why we don't do that. I know this is a basic thing and that every fundraiser should do it. I don't know why we don't do it. And again, I think that's the beauty of coaching, you know, is that you, you're so ingrained in what you're doing that it's hard to step back and remember, oh yeah, if I just did these five basic things, I'm going to be further along than the, where I was, but because you're so busy doing it, you just can't see that. So a coach can ask the right questions and you can be like, why am I not doing that? I do that all the time in my own business, which is why I hired a coach. It's because I sit there and I'd be like, oh yeah, I need to think about my buyer's perspective and what might they be thinking about? Well, I tell every, my clients that all the time. Mm-hmm. So it's just good to help have someone help us get out of our own head. Well, I mean, it's, it's, it's the shoe cobbler's kids, right? The, the indebted accountant, the overweight doctor, right? Um, and it just shows up as to, you know, a lot of times I feel that people will have less resistance when they're actually using their process to sell the process. So that's where I've seen a lot of key success of like, you know, are you walking your talk? Are you talking your talk? Are you walking your talk? Are you you're talking your walk, right? Like, are you right. doing all the right. things that support how you show up? Because you see that a lot with the gurus who are like, use this one strategy. And then you kind of look behind the curtains and you're like, well, you're not using that strategy. Right. <laughs> so why should right. I use that? You right. don't need to use Facebook ads. Well, why are you advertising on Facebook then? Huh, interesting. Right. And sometimes there's a legitimate reason for that, but it's just kind of like, you know, let's look at is the proof in the pudding, right? Do you have your strategies in place? Um, so you know, for someone who is getting to that place where they've, you know, they've, they've achieved a certain level of success in their business, what would be your advice to them as it relates to kind of leveling up? Sure. Um, you know, I think it's always evaluating where you mm-hmm. are, but I think that there's, you know, I really think that there's three key things and I call them my three pillars of sustained achievement because I think you can have success you know, but sometimes that you get lucky and you have success and sometimes things just work Well, you brush out, it off but, as lucky. I've seen people do that too, of like, they make certain right. amount of money and they're like, I was lucky. I was lucky. I was lucky. And I was like, you were a hundred thousand dollars lucky. <laughs> like, uh, when you go back and look at it, you did the right thing. <laughs> right. <laughs> but I really feel that every time where I've had that feeling of like, wow, I really was able to sustain and do something significant. I always had partners mm. and usually somebody that was a mentor somebody who was keeping me accountable and a community that was there to either support me when I was struggling or to be my biggest cheerleaders when things were going well. I mean, I just think that's critical because especially if you're a solopreneur or a small business owner, 
who else do you have to go to? You're executive right. director of a nonprofit. You're supposed to be the expert. You're not always. Mm. So and where do you those- go to break down? Because it's not safe to break down in certain places. You can't go to your board and be like, oh my God, this has been horrible. <laughs> we don't know what's going on. So, so those partners are critical. And, and I think the next is what is your perspective? Mm. So if you're thinking about leveling up, how do you not say, okay, well, I see myself here. Well, what do I need to do to see myself at the next level? Mm-hmm. And is that things I need to change about the way I, the words I use, the things I talk about, the people that I'm with, um, and how do I better understand that? Mm-hmm. And then it's critical to me that you have a plan. Because if you don't put together a plan, you're just throwing darts and hoping something sticks. Yeah. But I think when you put those three things together, you, you have a really great chance to not only have success, but to have it be sustainable. Yeah. And there's a, there's a secret ingredient too, which you have, I've seen it in droves. It's just sheer determination. When you are determined and focused and, you know, you have that mission like you do, which is, you know, the, the mission that's beyond yourself, right? It's not the, I want to make more money because I want to make more money. No, there's something deeper and there's nothing wrong with making more money. It's just, what's that primary motivator? And you talked about it with, you know, talking to your donors of what is it that's, what's in it for them? What is it that they want to achieve? And being able to hit on that, then magic starts happening. And it's just, we don't, I'm amazed how many people don't know their mission. Yeah. In organizations. The first question, whenever I'm in a group setting with nonprofits is I ask who in the room can stand up and give verbatim your mission. And Typically, one, maybe two can do it. Mm. So I say to them, if you don't know your mission, do your board members know your mission? Do your volunteers, do your staff, do your donors? And if you're not heading in the right direction, you know, do you know your mission as a small business? Yeah. What is your mission? It was interesting. I heard a speech. um, A guy was talking and he was a former football player and he was talking about free agency. And so if you don't understand sports, I apologize, but no, no, no. I barely understand it, but I understand that free agent thing. Okay. So he was Thanks. visiting different <laughs> NFL teams. Yeah. And he walked into the Colts back when, um, Oh no, now you're going to lose me <laughs> a while ago when they had a real, when they were very focused and okay. ran into somebody in the lower levels of their stadium who was probably a janitorial person. And he said, Oh, you know, what's your job here? Or what's your role here? My role is here is to help us win Super Bowls. Mm. So they had everybody in that organization focused on that's our mission. Mm. Now we just need to figure out how do we get there and make adjustments along the way. And I think if in your organization, everybody's not moving in the same direction, headed towards the same mission, you're going to struggle. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, that comes back to the Rubik's Cube, right? All the pieces inside have to be moving and there has to be that Rubik's Cube. There was this other analogy, I guess from a movie, I can't remember, but they were like, well, why do you need a, why do you need a a maestro when everybody in the orchestra knows how to play their instruments? And the person said, the people in the orchestra are playing their instruments as the maestro. I play the people. And it's to get them in a place of community, which is what you do, whether or not you have employees in your in your organization or whether you have VAs but you're the maestro and you're directing and 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 being the leader within the organization even though the other people are playing the instruments could they do it on their own maybe sure they've maybe. been doing it but they do better because of you and that's that connection to that mission see where they're not doing well i mean i remember right. watching the US Open tennis tournament sorry a lot of sports analogies and after every point they kept showing these people in the stands 
And, you know, finally they said, well, this is, these are their coaches. So you've got the greatest tennis players in the world at the finals who can do anything they want with a racket and a ball. Mm -hmm. And yet they have a coach who mm -hmm. probably couldn't play with them even if they try. Right. And it's because the coach can see when are you tossing the ball a little too short? You're not, you know, whatever. Following through on your, on your backhand. backhand. Look at me coming up and I played tennis. That's right. <laughs> your what? arm isn't quite extended. You towed the line a little too hard, right? Okay. <laughs> and how do you see that as a, as while well, you're in the middle of a yeah. match? You don't. Well, the you shoe cobbler's kids, right? You can't what? see you, the shoe cobbler's kids. You can't see, you can't do everything for yourself and you're not supposed to. We're human beings. Um, you know, if I look at a coach and I ask them, so when's the last time you, you know, who's your coach? And they go, no one. I'm like, see ya. Right. right. Because that means you're right. not working on yourself. And if you're going to help other people, you need to continue to raise your own self. Um, so what would be kind of your parting advice for people who are looking to, you know, grow their business as it relates to getting more donors, whether it's getting more clients, whether it's even, you know, getting that next promotion? Yeah, I think, um, huh, there's a lot. I, I think that you can't do it by yourself. Mm. You know, I think that, I think we all want to feel like we're the boss, we're in mm. charge, we can do this. And I think if we all step back and say, I can't be all things to all people, I can't, you know, be the one out seeing the donors and at the same time making sure the programs are working at the right way. So how do we find the most competent, um, capable people to be a part of our team? Mm -hmm. And I think so many times egos get in the way of, you know, people who are running an organization, leading a team, because they want to be seen as the one in charge. And yep. we can't have anybody else who has better ideas, good ideas, really maybe they know more than what we know about this certain topic because mm. we're the one who's supposed to be in charge. Well, my feeling has always been, let me go and find the absolute smartest people I can to do the things that I don't, I'm not really great at and let them go mm. with a little bit of guidance and let me figure out how to clear the way for them. And I think in our all own organizations or in our business, we have to figure out how to do that as well. How do we find those people who can do the stuff we're not really great at so yeah. that we can do and focus on the things we're really good at? Whether you hire a coach or an employee, it's about you know staying in your zone of brilliance and getting the support for the areas that you need improvement with. There was something else that hit me when you were talking just now, and I was thinking about the mission. Um, what do you think is the, the what is confidence play? in as it relates to your business, as it relates to your mission? Confidence in yourself. Your, yourself, your offers, like just, just the, in the embodiment of confidence and what maybe having a clear mission can help, you know, with that boosting it, you know, reducing it and yep. just, you know, kind of why is it really like just digging a level deeper of why is it so important to have that mission kind of really clearly defined? Because I think your mission, your mission is all based on that phrase, what is your why? Why yeah. are we doing this? You know, what is the point of all of this? And if your why is you need to make more money, great. How do you really focus on that? And what are the steps you need to do it? Um, and so I think having confidence in what your mission is, mm -hmm. what your why is, and how you're going to get there makes all the difference. Now, that doesn't mean that you're not going to fall back and, and, you know, because for some reason, negative thoughts get into our head way more than positive thoughts. 
Hmm. <laughs> why, why is that? I don't understand that. I have to figure that out. But. Next level strat, like, you know, it's the saboteur, it's the ego, it's a saboteur. For me, I'm going to answer that question. It's the thing that's keeping you safe, right? So there's a fear of whatever that's happening of the unknown of success, whatever. And so your ego kind of comes in, this is like totally coach cat mindset, um, comes in and like, you just start, it wants to protect you. But the problem is, is that the things that try to protect you also keep you playing small. Because it's kind of that the devil, you know, and so right. when you start doing something new, something that might expose you, you as a human being, especially if you're probably listening to this or on my podcast or been in my life in some capacity, you've been picked on, <laughs> right? You somehow, some way, someone has made fun of you. You've been picked on, you've been bullied or whatever it is. And so it's not safe to go out there and do bigger things to be seen, to be visible essentially. And so your ego talks you out of it and who wants to be rejected again? And it's just right. kind of Nobody. like- I mean, Nobody. I'm definitely not someone who loves hearing no. <laughs> right. It's not a great thing. It's a, you know, but if you can figure out how yeah. no doesn't have the same power exactly. over you. And which brings us back full circle of it's right. not about you. Yeah. And if, and you're, you know, so that's what to me confidence is. Mm. I love it, but I also know it's fleeting. You mm. know, it's one of those things that I might have it right now. I feel really good because I love doing this. I love talking to people and talking in front of groups or whatever, answering questions. Um, but when you get in that other space where you're just mm. not quite as comfortable, it can be easy to be like, oh my God, they're going to figure out that I really don't know what I'm talking about or what I'm doing. Uh, I don't have the answer that they're looking for. You know, and when you try to have all of that, so I guess there's the, the, the difference between confidence mm. and like, um, you know, a big head, whatever that might be, you know, is that there's a balance between that of when do you become like too egotistical to think you have all the answers. Yeah. Um, when in reality, you probably don't. And if you don't want to be that way, you're confident, but oh boy, confident might come off as cocky or whatever the right. case might be, you know, and I don't, I haven't, I don't want to be that person. Yeah. So I think I don't want you to be that person either. <laughs> No, nobody does. Who wants no. to work with that person? No one. I mean, and that really comes, actually, it's an overcompensation, if you think about it, of that person actually probably isn't confident, but they're overdoing it. They're over, you know, we've seen those people overperform and you're just like, okay, like <laughs> something's not quite right. But right. someone I'm who has that, the confidence I feel is like an energy. So it's just, you just, you have a presence without necessarily having to say anything. Um, and people just are, it's a, it's a higher frequency, a higher energetic vibration that people are just attracted to. And they, a lot of people buy from, you know, genuinely confident people because they want more of that in their life. So it doesn't really matter what the process is necessarily. It's just that you have embodied the person that they want to become, whether it's energetically, even physically. Right. Um, but right. you, you know, and if you look at like the, the beach body world, there's lots of people with certain physiques, but who's the person that you're attracted to? It's basically an energetic thing. It's that you believe that that person can actually get you results because in some way, somehow they've communicated that they care about you or that whatever it is that you've gotten, you know, connected to them on that level. So I, you know, so appreciate that. And I think it really does start with what you talked about, which is, how, you know, starting with this mission of, do you really understand? And it's, and it's, I don't believe it's ever, your why is never, I want to make more money. There's a reason for it, right? What's that, what's that next level? Is it because you want to provide for your children? Is it because you don't want them to have to worry about money? And maybe you did growing up or you saw, you want them to have a different relationship than you do. Um, there's all kinds of reasons, but really did, your why doesn't have to be, I want to cure cancer. 
um, it can be as simple as I want to make sure that my family's provided for. Right. And I want to work the way I want to work. Big why. Yeah. Right. It's huge. Absolutely. Because so. if you've been in another situation, as you were saying, it's all the more why that why becomes that much more powerful because you exactly. don't ever want to go back to it or have anybody else go back to it. So Tom, what's your why? What is my why? You know, it's, that's a, it's a really good question. And, I, and my why changes a lot, I think, yeah. sometimes. But I, I think for that. me, it's about, is about, I worked, I, I was the, uh, uh, how to put this? I was the guy who went, who was the first one in the office and the last one home, or last one to leave the office. And when I left, I would come home, probably have dinner, maybe, you know, help put my kids to bed, and I was back on my computer. Mm. And that lifestyle didn't serve, you know, I realized that lifestyle didn't serve me and I missed out on a ton of things. And, you know, I've just decided there's a lot of things I want to do in my life. I love my business. I love working out. I love, I've started to love officiating women's lacrosse. And so I want to have the flexibility to do that. And at the same time, I want to help the world figure out how to be better at what they're doing. Because I know there are a lot of people out there who struggle with it. I struggled with it at times. Mm. And along the way, I was really fortunate that I had some really good partners. Mm. You know, that was an interesting thing for me that, and I'm getting a little bit off topic here, but every stop I had in my professional, when I worked in higher ed, there was somebody who was a great partner, is the mm. only way I can put it, because they knew me well enough. And they knew the work I was doing well enough that they could come and tell me, Tom, that's the dumbest idea I've ever heard. And I wouldn't take that as like an insult. I would just take it as thank you. You're mm. helping me get better. And the same thing, I would be able to tell them, yeah, I'm not sure that's the right thing. Or you know what? That's great. You should do more and more of that because that's really going to help you move forward. And so when you have those type of people, it just made my world that much easier. And so, you know, to be there to help other people see the same type of thing, there's something about that that really drives me. And, you know, and so I think there's a, I get such a fulfillment out of it. So different than when I would close a big gift or some other things that I was doing in as a fundraiser, um, that it lights me up and I feel yeah. like it, I'm more healthy. So it makes my life more healthy. I guess. Yeah. That's my That's awesome. No, I love that. Thank you. Well, okay. Tom, if people want to find out more about you, because there are, I know that there's definitely people out there who are looking to grow their businesses and grow their nonprofits. And there, we have those people in our community. How can they find out more about you? Sure. They can always call me. Uh, Here we go. Here's his number. So my number is 443-595-6624. But you can reach me online. My website is advancementdesigns.com. And I'm on LinkedIn as well, trying to be really active on LinkedIn. Um, and my email address, which is very simple, is just Tom at advancementdesigns.com. Simple. Perfect. Thank you so much, Tom, for being a guest today. And guys, make sure you check out the show notes. All of that information will be in there for you guys. Thanks, Kat. This was great. Really enjoyed it.